Welcome back to The Peripheral. Today's topic is something that affects over 3 million women a year in the U.S. alone. Something that any pregnant woman could potentially go through and, again, is a topic that doesn't get addressed in the mainstream very often. The show today actually has a returning guest. I don't do that very often, but you might remember the So You Want to Be a Parent episode where I spoke with Jenna, who went through IVF to get pregnant. Uh, she has success stories and, and a story of miscarriage. I also have an update for my Patreon supporters at the end of the show as to not overshadow my guest's interview. Let's introduce you real quick. And uh, you are on episode 35. Yes. So my name is Jenna, and I've talked to you before. When I listen to the episode, I just I hear a different person than I am now. Like I hear joy and I hear happiness and I'm getting that back in my life, but I'm a different person now than I was a year ago. And that it's sad to me, but you know, you mourn Mm -hmm. the loss of certain parts of your life. And I've gone through that process at this point. So you kind of suffered two losses. Yeah, I did. I guess I would just start I had this second baby done through IVF. That's how we did the first child. And, you know, we planned this as a family. You know, we went and did it as a family. What made it almost worse was the fact that, you know, our small little tiff that we got in turned into, I'm not wanting to be married to you anymore. We didn't have like the confirmed pregnancy test, but when I got the pregnancy test back and I was like, I'm actually pregnant, does that change anything? The response was just, I'm going to support the child, but as of you and I, we're done. So I had to go through this whole experience basically alone. You'll hear I had plenty of support in my family, but not from my spouse, not from the person that was supposed to go through it with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had done it together. So it's our child. But then all of a sudden it's like, I am not supposed to be married anymore, I guess. And I had to process the miscarriage on my own. When we talk about miscarriage, I think that's what it is for a lot of women, not just somebody that may be going through a hard time, but you mourn a lot more than the loss of just a baby you born, maybe the idea of what that baby was going to be in the future or what it meant to your family or what I was referring to is the loss of your spouse on top of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it represented my family. It represented my wife and my child and my child's sibling and me and a marriage and a family. Oh yeah. It was all wrapped into one. So what was the chronological order? She left you bef- before this happened, right? Yeah, I mean, things uh, were a little rocky. And then again, when you're fighting with a spouse, I think everybody, both sides make mistakes. And I made mistakes too. And she made mistakes. And 
you you do the best you can in the situation you're in. But I was on synthetic hormones and also because of the IVF, you actually put hormones in your body. And then with the pregnancy hormones, you know, I had a hard time reacting to things and I was very emotional and I found out I was pregnant and she's not very emotional. And so it seemed very easy for her to just be like, yeah, no, like, she just puts up walls very easy. She's one of those people which, you know, I'm just not that type of person. And she was done with it. Now, like throughout the process, she kind of comes in and out, but I'll get to that. So I find out I'm pregnant. And when you're doing any type of help with a fertility doctor, you normally get to see the baby on an ultrasound sooner than an average woman going into to see your OBGYN. I think normally you would go in at like maybe eight weeks or so, but because I was doing an IVF, I went in at probably like five and a half weeks or so. And you do get to see the heartbeat at that point, which is pretty cool because it sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not because it is so early. So I went in and we just wanted to verify the pregnancy and make sure the pregnancy was viable. And you see that little flutter on the screen, you know, just that little beat and so the the heartbeat was there and the tech so I didn't see the doctor that day now the tech did say something about oh you've got a little hemorrhage but they normally it's like an implantation bleeding and you know a hemorrhage just a little bleed and it's usually like the baby's in the sack at that point and it's usually like kind of right on the outside of the sack between that sack and your uterus wall so there's like a little bit of a bleed there And she's like, it's usually from implantation. You know, it normally absorbs naturally and you're all good. When she said that, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm all good. You know, I didn't, I didn't see the doctor that day. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. You know, she made it kind of just, you know, okay, there's a little bit of bleed that will absorb. So I continued on like my first pregnancy. I had a really easy pregnancy. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with this the way I did before. This pregnancy, I had a lot of morning sickness. Oh, I was, I couldn't eat anything. My appetite was gone. Mm-hmm. It was a lot harder in that aspect of it. But I was, I remember the day because I was preparing for my son's first birthday and I was house sitting at my dad's house. So we were going to have the birthday party there since um, the marriage was dissolving at that point. Mm-hmm. And I decided to clean up. So I was cleaning out the back deck while my son was taking a nap. Again, I didn't treat this pregnancy any different. I moved these big wooden doors. I just moved them. I was just cleaning. And my son woke up from his nap. I got him up and I went into the restroom. I noticed I was bleeding. Uh, My heart, you know, any pregnant woman, I'm sure, it's just your heart drops and you're like, oh, shit, you know, this is not something that's normal. Now, I know you can have spotting. I know that. So I'm, you're in your head of like, oh, is this going that direction? Or is this normal? Freaking out. So I did contact my um, ex. And I was like, I, I'm going to the hospital, like I'm bleeding. Meet me there in case I'm there longer. And she could take my son a hospital is no place for a one-year-old to be, you know, running around. So I headed to the hospital. 
I just remember flu season was just coming to the end, but there's, of course, a ton of people in a hospital waiting room. I just remember sitting there thinking, like, I know they can't do anything for me. Like, I know if I'm miscarrying, there's nothing that can be done. You, they, they don't have any. You can't take a drug and it stops. But it was so weird sitting in that waiting room knowing, like, the baby inside me could be dying and I have to wait to find that out. Like, I didn't know, is the baby gone or is it still there? And I just have to sit here and wait. That was a that was a really hard thing to do. They finally, you know, took me back and they're like, okay, well, let's do an ultrasound and just verify that the pregnancy is still there. Well, and the other thing that really stands out about the hospital is they have the ceiling painted in the ultrasound room, like a there was like a sky ceiling with little things like hanging down like light catchers, like little crystals okay. to make it look like a sky. And there's like, I, I just, it was the weirdest experience to have to be laying on a table while like a tech, they have to do a vaginal um, ultrasound that early because the heartbeat doesn't usually show through for the abdomen. And so, you know, I have a vaginal probe and I could just feel the blood just dripping off out of me and to stare up at a fake sky. It was just a very surreal moment. You're just helpless. Yeah. You're just finding out if something good or something bad. And that's yeah. all, that's all there is to yeah. it. And I knew the amount of blood that was coming. I could just feel it coming out of me and falling on the floor. And I'm just like, that's, it's just not, it's not okay. It's not normal. And the techs are not allowed to show you anything, talk to you. That's all for the doctor. So I finish up. They let me use the restroom and I get wheeled back to the, um, the room I was in to wait for the doctors. And so the doctors come in and they're like, there's a heartbeat. And that was not what I was expecting to hear. Mm. Like the baby's still alive. And they're like, what you have is a subchorionic hemorrhage. And that was the hemorrhage that uh, she saw in the first can. It's just a bleed that's between the sac and the uterus. And they're like, you know, again, some of these dissolve and absorb naturally. And some do end in miscarriage. So you're going to go either direction. So their advice to me was, you know, follow up with your doctor. And come back if things get worse. So I'm like, okay, okay, the baby's still alive at this point. But there's still nothing they can do. No, I know that there's nothing to be done. And I can't believe as far as we've advanced in medications and, yeah. you know, um, science that there's still nothing to do. But yeah, there's, there's nothing that they can do. So I was sent home. At this point, there's like cramping mm-hmm. and pain. And you can't take much because you're pregnant. So, you know, pop in a little bit of Tylenol. So I go home and, you know, I just rest. And the next day, things start to get worse. I'm bleeding more. I'm having more and more cramping. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. They told me to come back if it got worse. So I'm going to go back. So the next evening, I went back. 
Mm-hmm. And um, this time they were like, we don't want to cause any more trauma. So we're not going to do a vaginal ultrasound. We'll try to get it on abdominal. Abdominal. If we can't see it, then we'll have to do the vaginal. And I was like, okay. I get rolled into the room. This I went to a, a different hospital this time. They didn't have the sky, which uh, I was kind of happy about. I didn't have to look at the fake, beautiful sky on the ceiling. But she did see abdominal ultrasound, and she goes, don't tell. And she, like, turned the screen, and there was the little heartbeat. Still, hmm. still was a heartbeat. I was, like, relieved, but I'm also, like, how how is this baby surviving? Like, I don't, I don't understand how it's still alive. It was like either confirm this is happening or like make it, make all this pain and bleeding go away because the baby can't survive this. Like I'm barely, you know, hanging on there at this point. I was in a lot, a lot of pain. And you're doing this all by yourself. So I guess with that, my sister, thank God for my sister. She would come meet me at the hospital Amalia would take the baby and um, my sister would stay with me and, you know, hold my hand and do the things that I needed help with each time that this happened. And I mean, I just thank God for her. So, yeah, my sister was there to support me through this up to this point. I go home from that night and I'm like, okay, and that this time they tell me. Just make an appointment on Friday. So this, I think this happened on like Monday, Tuesday. They're like strict bed rest. Do not even get up. Like try not to pee. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't get up. Make an appointment on Friday and assess the situation then. So I called my, um, I go to a, like a nurse midwife who was with me through my whole first pregnancy. I love her. So I made an appointment for her on Friday. I just dealt with Wednesday and Thursday. My actually a good friend of mine came over and she grocery shopped for me and fed me and took care of me and my sister and my, of course, my, my dad and stepmom were out of town. My other sister was actually out of town. So um, I had a few friends that came over to help me during those two days. I had my son just stay with my ex um, because I couldn't pick him up. So on Friday, I go into the doctors and they're very good at what they do because they're like, okay, well, let's just check on a baby. Then we will, then we'll have like our appointment. So they took me straight to ultrasound. So the tech was like, okay, um, you know, I'll do a vaginal ultrasound. I was like, well, we said because of the bleeding, no traumas. She's like, okay, well, we'll do ab. Um, your abdomen. And if that doesn't work, then I'll ask the practitioner if you can do vaginal. So she like put the little thing on my belly and then she's like, you know, I'm not going to get a good picture. Let me go ask her. And she left the room and a few people came back into the room when she came back in. Uh, yeah. And my uh, nurse midwife just held my hand and she said, honey, it's, it's not good. So. I I knew at that point that, you know, I had lost the baby and it's weird to say lost because, you know, they're still in you, but yeah. and you don't lose them, you know, but she confirmed, she, she did say, she was like, um, we can see that 
the sac is, you know, sitting on top of your cervix. So it won't be too long before it's over. And she's like, you could see something you might not. Cause I was only eight weeks at this point, just under eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's still very tiny. And what was weird when I look back is I wasn't offered a DNC. And I don't know if that was because I was at like that type of facility that they just didn't offer that or she, I just wasn't. And I didn't think about it at the time because obviously I haven't, I hadn't gone through that before. And what is a, what is a DNC? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to probably say it wrong, but it stands for like dilation and Mm. cutage or something like that. It's basically where they'll go in and basically surgically remove the fetus. They, they evacuate, they evacuate whatever remains. Um, mm-hmm. in your uterus by by uh, someone that does those so that you don't have to actually pass the baby on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm a little torn because because I wasn't offered it. And she said, you know, this is going to probably happen within the next few hours. So I, I did end up going home from that appointment. She let me process things in the office. She had somebody sit with me and I did call my ex. And I said, you know, the baby died. And she was like, well, do you need to come over? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, I'm not going to come over to you. Um, No, my so my sister, I called my sister and my sister rushed over to my dad's and where I was staying. And so she met me there to just be with me. And I just will never forget on my way home. uh, My ex was texting me about paperwork that she needed me to send her. And I was just like, a baby died in my body, and you need me to send you some paperwork. And that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, you just, I'm just processing this loss, and then to have just something so cold. I know it was different for her because she, it was a different experience, but I just didn't, I didn't like that at the time. I wasn't a fan of that, but, um, I hate to say it, but I mean, at, at that point, she, pretty much doesn't care about you at all no no you're dead to her and, yeah and she has no yeah. it sucks because yeah. who does yeah. that who does that i remember my lawyer saying something like if you were to run into me just as a stranger or as a person you've talked to once or twice but if you found out of something like that about a person that's happening right then and there to me i think man woman i don't care who you are I would think that you'd have some compassion and empathy towards somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my lawyer kind of had to say to me, like, but to her, you might have been like a complete stranger at that point because she was completely done with you. And so she really could treat you like a stranger would treat you and not care and not show you empathy or compassion. And I just have because again I don't understand it I can't understand how you would treat somebody like that but I I guess I try to see her as she saw me as somebody else or she didn't she didn't care about me you know like I just I guess a lot of people are just compassionate and as much as I might be done with somebody I still don't wish them harm or ill yeah will. and i guess there's you know just different kinds of people out there and obviously i know the fans of this podcast i'm sure they're on our 
are side things of like, you know, you don't, because if you're listening to people's stories, you're wanting to understand people and um, offer that compassion and empathy to others because you want to understand what other people go through and hear other people's sides of things. And she's just maybe on the other side and doesn't, doesn't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess the, the only silver lining or good thing out of this is if that's how she treats you at that point, then I think you yeah. were, were better yeah. off. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was hard when I, you know, mm. when she was texting me that and then, do get back to my dad's. Now, at this point, it's kind of nice because I can apply heat and I can take drugs because <laughs> the, the baby's gone. So I can now I'm in almost labor pains because the cervix is going to dilate mm-hmm. just like it would in labor. Obviously, not to the extent that it would, but I don't think I was really prepared for that. And I, again, if any women are listening that have been through or might go through it like. I want anybody to be a little bit more prepared than I was for the pain because I wasn't prepared for how much pain it was. Um, it was like labor pains and I've gone through labor before. So I know what labor pains are and I wasn't prepared for that much pain and I wasn't prepared for actually passing the baby like me just on my own like she said you might see something I, I it was I saw something you know I I um I applied the heat and I took the drugs and we just waited and I and my sister just sat with me and I didn't know again because I wasn't I wasn't really prepared but I didn't know what was going to happen I didn't know what passing the baby was going to be and again, I wasn't offered a DNC, so I just was processing what I was processing at the time. I went to the bathroom and I just felt this need to reach down because the worst thing to me was to like have the baby fall in the toilet. <laughs> like it's, it's a silly sounding thing, but like I just didn't want that to happen because I didn't know what was going to come out of me. So I just, I put my hands down and, and, and you know, I felt like, something come into my hands and it was the little sack. It was a little, um, little like bubble sack of, and I just held it. Like I didn't, I just held it and cried. You know, my sister obviously heard me wailing and knocked on the door and I was like, I don't think that you should come in. And she came in anyway, of course. Um, and she just held me. She held me while I cried and held this little, you know, again, it's not much of anything at that point. A lot of women that, you know, go through it so early, you know, can look at it as just tissue or, you know, we all process things differently. To me, it was, I processed it more as that was my baby and I lost my baby, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it was so weird because I just looked at my sister and I was like, well, I don't want to just bury it like by itself, you know. I want to bury it in the backyard, but she got a glass old Tupperware and I put it in the Tupperware and I took duct tape and I sealed it like all around it. Like I taped it mm-hmm. probably a million times around it. And again, I don't, I was just doing what I was doing. I don't, I didn't have a, 
much thought process at that point. I look back and I'm like, okay, Tupperware. Okay. All right. You duct taped it. Okay. I, I don't know where that came from, but you're um, running on sheer emotion right now. I, yeah. I'm like, I didn't want anything to get to it. Like I didn't want to bury it and something unbury it, you know? So we did, I went in the backyard and my sister was like, would you like me to do it? And I said, no, I want to, I want to do it. And I, I dug a hole and I buried it and you know it's the weirdest thing and I don't know if it's the same for other women but my my body it was like an immediate I felt empty like a hundred percent like when you're pregnant you know you feel full your breasts feel full your abdomen is kind of full like you you feel full mm-hmm. and at least I did um and it was so strange that immediately when it happened I was 100% empty. Like my body was, there was like 10 pounds off of it. And I like thought back to, I actually think I know when the baby died because the second night I went to the hospital at about 4 a.m. that next morning, my mom who lives in Michigan. So she's two, sometimes three hours ahead of me. I knew she was going to get ready for work. And I was, in so so much pain that I was like on all fours I was like on my knees and on my elbows and I was just like rocking back and forth I was in that much pain that I was just rocking back and forth and I just I couldn't handle it and I I called her and I just said talk to me like I can't just talk to me and she talked to me while she was getting ready for work and she was driving to work and and then I was like okay I'm gonna try to sleep now about an hour or two after I hung up yeah the pain was like a little different and I could eat a little bit more that next day mm-hmm. and my breast didn't feel quite the same and like so looking back I'm like I really think that's when it actually happened and when that baby actually died and it took a while for, you know, the sack to completely separate and, you know, to drop and all that kind of stuff. But I passed the baby like that Friday. I ble- I kept bleeding for days and days and days. And so I finally went back to the ER because it was a lot. So I ended up having a DNC about a week after I had the miscarriage because there was still just so much. And they were like, we need to take care of this because your body's not taking care of it on its own. And so I kind of almost had like both of them. Like I passed the baby naturally. I had a DNC and I remember just waking up from the DNC and my stepmom, she was back in town at that point. She came to be with me during that. And I was waking up from the anesthesia and I just remember crying, just being like, is it over? Like, is it over? You know, cause that was like a two week process, you know, yeah. and it was finally over. I've heard people explain this situation and it happens over 48 hours. Yeah. They start getting yeah. cramps. They start bleeding and with yep. It, yep. it's all said and done in 48 hours or yep. less. And I know women that like, um, they go to, uh, their doctor. Yeah. They find out that, you know, they've miscarried and they're offered the DNC like right then and there. Like they're able to do it. Like, would you like 
this done and you know they've been able to you know mentally process for a little while and then yes that's that's what I would like to do they have it done they're able to process it then and that was perfect for them and that's wonderful like again I, I'm I'm happy I was able to bury the baby like that was nice for me I don't know what I would have chose if I was offered it off the bat. And I know that that's helpful for a lot of women. But then again, a lot of women might like what I did and processed it naturally. You know, there's a lot of women that love all the natural, you know, side of things. So I know it can be just very different depending on what your doctor offers you and what you choose to do. And sometimes people get a little upset when. You know, somebody says, oh, this drug didn't work for me or this is something that we did or this is how the doctor behaved. And it's always a crapshoot when you walk into a hospital. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean that all nurses and doctors are bad. I mean, it sounds like they treated you very well and were yeah. sympathetic. One nurse or one doctor might be like, it's better to pass it naturally and go home, you know, and yeah. we, we can never anticipate how somebody's supposed to act. Yeah. For each woman, it's different. And again, I know people that have passed uh, a baby and they were able to just say it was just tissue. You know, it wasn't it wasn't anything. It was it was fine. It was what it was. And they're able to just process it, you know, a lot um, different. Yeah. You know, and then there's people that is a lot more than <laughs> what they anticipated. So it can go many, many ways. I've I've known someone that they had to have a DNC because the baby was too big. You know, the baby died much, much later, you know, many, many more weeks. in, and obviously that's harder on a whole different level. I can't even imagine going through something where they've got 10 fingers and 10 toes and you found out the gender and can't imagine. I can't. I hope that that might help somebody depending on what you're dealing with. And again, I just didn't see the doctor that day, but I'm wondering, like, you know, she did tell me I had a bleed. I should have been more like, wait, what, you know, or talk to somebody or like, if you are gonna, if you're going through it, just know there are options. You can do that naturally and do it at home with whoever you're with. Even if they don't offer it, you can have a DNC. You can get that process and done with that day if you want to. You don't have to wait. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to have all the pain. There's options out there, and you don't have to have such a long process like I did. Many, many years ago, but uh, a coworker of mine, um, mm -hmm. him and his wife were trying to have a baby, and she had a miscarriage. I don't know how far along she was. I thought it was only months. But they had a funeral. Like oh, a wow. Full, mm -hmm. full on funeral for their baby. And I went to the funeral. And I remember wow. when I told a friend I'm going to this funeral, they said, why? They didn't even really have a baby. And I was like, you know, that's not the point. I'm going to support my friend. And yeah. however yeah. they want to reconcile this, you know, get closure is okay. Yeah. And yeah. And it was yeah. it was so heartless. We mourn differently and we have to process it differently. If that 
those of us that have a more emotional reaction to a miscarriage, I think there's a lot more tied into it than just the actual, you know, baby. If if your coworker, who knows how long they've been trying, who knows what dreams they have, you know, there's a lot more that can take an emotional toll on you. And if that's what they had to do to have closure, then that's what they had to do. Yeah. However they have to mourn, I think is right for them. Exactly. If you want to have a funeral or if I'm not trying to make a joke, but if Tupperware and just doing it yourself is enough, then it's whatever process you want to go through, you know? Yeah. And me making, you know, some women don't like to talk about it and me being very open and public about it is my way of mourning also it's my way of processing also you know my mom she's religious so i'm i'm not but even my stepmom who's a religious um you know when she came back and she i asked her to go say a prayer you know by um where we had buried the baby and there's a little cross you know and a little stone and my mom when she visited from michigan she came and she prayed I mean, some people look at me and be like, well, you're crazy because it was just some tissue. And it's so much more to me what that baby represented. And when I go to mourn at that little grave site, I'm mourning and processing so much more than just that, you know? Yeah. I ended up doing a home daycare because after she left me, I supported her through school and she was supposed to be the main, you know, income. So. I kind of had to adjust my life and I didn't want to have a life without my child. Like I didn't want to work and only see him every other weekend or something like that with the way custody is. And so I started the home daycare just so that I could be a part of his life. You know, it's going good. And yes, I will have another child. Like I'm not going to let that be the end of my story. I want a sibling for him so bad. I will try to have another baby on my own, alone. Mm-hmm. No one is ever going to have rights to another child of mine. I will not do that again. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's always what seems to happen as we, you know, open up to somebody else. We invest in somebody else and then we get burned and then we just become independent and we don't want to ever invest in another person and it sucks because you shouldn't feel that way. You should be able to share it with another person, but feel open to that. But I understand why you don't. I'm only 33. So I know that I will be with someone again. I'll be in a serious relationship again. I'm Mm -hmm. open to marriage again. Not unrealistic about the fact that I'm going to be alone forever. You know, But I will just make sure that I have the child prior to Mm -hmm. a marriage certificate, especially being gay. Like, I don't have to have a, I don't actually have to have a man person (laughs) to provide that to me, you know? So so I literally can do it on my own, and I'll just make sure that it's prior to any type of legal marriage or certificate or whatever. So that, yeah, if something were to ever happen in the future, I don't have to give up my child. I'd like to thank all my 
Patreon supporters uh, and anyone that has reached out to the show. You might have noticed that I have removed my social media accounts and Patreon uh, due to an ongoing uh, harassment campaign targeted at me. It's been emotionally and mentally exhausting, so I'm deeply sorry that uh, these things have been removed. Supporters of the show should not be punished for others' actions. It sucks that I uh, let it get to me and even bothered engaging with it. There is a saying to let your work speak for itself, so I won't have much of a social media presence for the peripheral anymore, and I will let the podcast speak for itself. I am currently overwhelmed with the number of interviews I have already done, and I'm trying to work through those. I won't be doing any more interviews until I work through my current backlog. Be patient. There's more episodes to come.